0: You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 31, covering Specter of the Gun and Day of the Dove.
1: Hi, kids. How's it going? We're here to talk to you about Star Trek, because... Because that's what we do. Yeah, that is what How do you not know that that's what we do? What are we on, episode 30 now? 31. 31. 31 episodes and you don't
0: know what we do. You really should pay more attention. What's your deal, man? We're almost through the first of the many series that we're going through. I mean, by this time, you should know what we're about. Yeah. And what we're about is getting through season three. So (sighs) we
1: can get on to the movies. On to the good stuff. Yeah.
0: Uh, Unfortunately, season three is being very season three to us this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And once again, I, I, I feel it's important to point this out, because I don't, you know, I mean, it's no secret that I do kind of, I am the one who kind of organizes this. I do mm-hmm. kind of put, you know, put the, the, the shape of it together for the two of us to, to do our thing. And I, I want it clear that I am not forcing Matt to do the bad episodes. Once again, I offered him a choice. We got a Cow- Cowboy Planet. We, we, Cowboy
1: we, Planet just seemed fun.
0: Cowboy Planet or Klingon episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, the smart money is on which one is going to be the good episode, and you took Cowboy Planet. So, yep. entirely your fault. I just every every time this happens, I want to make it clear that uh, I didn't force you to do this. You took it upon yourself. You chose fruit. Yes. So, Matt, uh, won't you tell us about Specter of the Gun?
1: Okay. All right, so the Enterprise is on the way to Malkotian 1 to meet with the Malkotians, a mysterious race of totem poles that the Federation wants to make peace with. The Enterprise encounters a weird spinning probe sent by the Malkotians that follows it through space like a lost puppy. Malkotians contact the Enterprise saying that they don't want to buy any Starfleet cookies, but Kirk has a quota to meet, so they soldier on. Kirk, Bones, Spock, Scotty, and Chekhov all beam down to Malkotia 1, discovering it to be really foggy. Then the totem pole shows up and yells at them some more for trespassing, and as punishment, it sends them to the it sends them to the old west, uh, specifically Tombstone, Arizona, where the crew, as the Clampet Gang, will be executed by the ERPs as as it appeared in ancient history. Apparently, their phasers have been replaced by six shooters, meaning that Sulu will be extremely disappointed he missed out on this adventure. Uh, I should point out that the crew have not, in fact, actually been sent back in time. Uh, They've just been sent to an alternate reality or something where the sky is red and all the scenery is half-assembled. It appears to take Starfleet's finest significantly longer to figure that out. Uh, The crew then spends most of the episode mucking about and wasting time. Chekhov hits on some girl and is then shot, so I guess it's not all bad. And then rather than actually kill the Earp gang, the crew decides not to bother with their cool new pistols and invent some sort of knockout gas. Uh, scientifically it should work, but Kirk insists that they try some, so they use it on Scotty, because that seems like a good idea. Gas does absolutely nothing, and so the crew deduce that the laws of physics don't work here, and that they can survive being shot if they don't believe the bullets will kill them. Uh, which makes absolutely no sense, because Scotty believed that the gas would work, but never mind that now. Spock mind melds with everyone so that they don't believe in the bullets, which feels like cheating to me somehow, but whatever. The Earps show up and shoot the crew, but the bullets don't hurt them. The Earps prove this by shooting them, shooting at them for roughly 40 minutes. <laughs> After the gunfight, Kirk proves what 23rd century judo can do to an old Texas marshal and beats the shit out of everyone. Then the crew wakes up back on the bridge of the Enterprise and are contacted by, by the Malkoshians. Hey, they say, you didn't kill anyone. Go down to Malkosha 1 for a party. Oh, and Chekhov is still alive. Again. Damn it. So close.
0: Yeah, this really was a cock tease of an episode. We got the one thing we've always wanted, and then, no, we didn't.
1: Yeah, a bullet in checkup. That's all I ever wanted. Yeah. and Not an actual, so
0: much, is it? An actual old-fashioned Earth bullet like we used to make. Yeah, they can't cure those anymore, probably. I, plus, it would have been extra ironic if he claimed that bullets were invented in Russia and then got <sighs> killed with one.
1: Oh, you know, <laughs> bullet make in Russia...
0: So really, I, Chekhov? I guess I guess, uh, guess Chekhov is just uh, acting like Rasputin. And just, yes. Got to keep trying. Got to shoot no, him under okay, the so airlock. Okay,
1: so
0: next we'll strangle him. Yeah, I mean, just keep and doing And if I it. could
1: volunteer for that, uh, that would be awesome.
0: Somehow, if we can go back into the reality of this show and, and kill Chekhov, that would be great.
1: Stab him with an ice pick.
0: Yeah, that would be lovely. Uh, in, in the next episode, there will be lots of knives again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, plenty of knives but, about.
1: I thought kids don't play with too many knives. Well, they're not kids. Matt uh, they're, uh,
0: they're adults. They're grown-ups. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, this, this is not good. Um, this sh- and no. The central premise of me uh, of this episode really bugged me because Kirk has orders to make contact with these aliens at any cost, and then he just blindly charges in and, and yep. stumbles his way into this, this situation, just like, okay, I get that Kirk's not a great ambassador. He's not diplomatically, you know, d- diplomacy's not his best. Uh, no best trait but maybe he should have someone on board who is good at that
1: yeah it's like
0: like if spock's good at that let him handle it or bring a specialist aboard or something but really kirk should not be handling first contact if this is the way he does it
1: well look none of the ambassadors will work with him anymore because he just yells at them
0: (laughs) or they get stabbed with the many knives that are around
1: apparently apparently the enterprise is lousy with knives now yeah sorry i'm
0: I'm foreshadowing my episode i I don't mean to Mm. take away from the guns that were in this episode yes um, and as we all know, guns beat knives. That's the Chicago way. <laughs> uh, and uh, you you had made the uh, the observation that this might have been a little better if um, Cowboy Planet and Indian Planet maybe happened at the same time. Or
1: oh god, that would have been awesome
0: if they turned against each other. Or, I don't know something,
1: Captain. We have to stop a war between Cowboy Planet and Indian Planet. My <laughs> god, I have the best job.
0: <laughs> I uh, For a brief moment, you mentioned the fog when they beamed down. I thought, oh, God, are we back on Catpaw Planet? Oh,
1: Lord. Thankfully, no, we were not. And,
0: uh, no. This wasn't Catpaw
1: <laughs> Bad. Welcome back to the fabulous planet of Fogor 2.
0: Oh.
1: I miss Fogor 1.
0: There was uh, the, the alien who talked to them was this uh, sort of disembodied puppet head thing, which yeah. uh, they, they did some cool lighting effects. They did some cool fog effects, and it actually looked all right.
1: Yeah, it was probably the best like non-human alien they've ever done. Uh,
0: I still say the Baylock puppet was better.
1: Oh shit, I forgot about the Baylock puppet. Yeah, but it's but oh, that, it's that wins. It's but in the same
0: good. like it's along those same lines, and and they used what worked, and uh, mm. it worked here too. It
1: was sort of like a weird ass brain thing with a stick. Yeah.
0: And and like I said, a lot of it was lighting tricks and and covering up with fog so you couldn't see all of it. And that, you know, look, Mm -hmm. when you're doing low-budget sci-fi or horror or anything like that, and you want me to believe something is unearthly, that's the the established trick. Keep things obscured, keep it in the dark, keep it foggy, and, and, you know, I might buy it. Hide it in the shed where no one can look at it. (laughs) And, And that's the thing. If the show has less of a budget, that's fine. I have, you know, I have no problem with that. This show has proven that some of their very best episodes take place on the existing sets without any guest stars like they can pull it off if they really want to Mm -hmm. and here it feels like they tried to it feels like okay let's go to half a western town yeah and they and they did come up with a cool idea for it to be half a western town like it's it's sort of created by these aliens and it's not fully formed and that that part was kind of cool
1: when uh there's this part where i think Chekhov is like sort of walking around and he like he walks through a door that is part of an unfinished wall. I'm like, this really feels like Star Trek The Play. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's a very good point.
1: And i start singing about painting their wagon.
0: You know, I I think... Uh, something... Spot, get your gun. Oh, God. Stop it. <laughs> just, just stop it. <laughs> I think, I, and, you know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure every non-Star Trek show on the air in 1969 that wasn't the news was a Western yeah or at least like 90% of them were so but and if it was if it it was a show that wasn't a Western they would do a Western episode of course because you know the entire machinery of Hollywood or at least of of the television arm of Hollywood was devoted to Western stories I mean you had you had Gunsmoke you had uh Wagon Train you had Bonanza you had all that stuff going on 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 and people loved them some Westerns back then and um and, and so yeah finding these these sort of grizzled you know sheriffs and uh you know uh old drunks in the saloon and like it probably wasn't difficult a
1: bartender that looks like Gollum.
0: really i mean i'm i'm not i'm not steeped in in tolkien so you'll you'll have neither to neither am it i but
1: like he was shriveled and bald and had sticky out of ears ah well
0: very well and he right. was always cackling see and and i i don't actually know like i know a few westerns here and there but westerns are one of those genres like horror like sci-fi where most of it's kind of crap, mm-hmm. and I don't say that uh, meaning westerns are crap. I say that meaning everyone thinks they can do one, and most people fail. Yeah, just like science fiction. <laughs> exactly. No, I like a decent western. Yeah, once but and again, th- the thing is, I think they assume you know who all these people are—the the Doc Holliday and the Clampets—and I have no fucking clue. Like I'm yeah, like I, I... they're just rattling off all these names. Like I'm I'm expected to know who's who's enemy and who's the lawman and who's the outlaw, and I just had no clue.
1: Yeah, the first time that McCoy's like, uh, I guess we're the clampets, I'm like, the family from Beverly Hill buildings? <laughs> That's
0: exactly what I was thinking. And Did then you strike I strike oil? Then I thought, okay, well there's a character named Doc Holiday. Wouldn't it be less confusing if the doctor was Doc? No, no, yeah. you can't do that. No, that would be too easy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so I didn't I didn't really I wasn't really clear on that. But I mean it was you know, it was pretty straightforward who were the bad guys, so I figured it out. Yeah. out. But uh, it's not my, like my... this episode was confusing.
1: No. My my biggest problem with this episode is when they find out that uh, they're supposed to, like, they're back in history or an approximation of history or whatever, and they find out that they're this gang who are going to get killed. And they immediately just go like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. We're going to go to the shootout and get shot at.
0: Well, see, I mean, they, they kept trying to escape. They did try to talk their way out of it. None of those things yeah. worked. So I think they just assumed that was the course. But, I mean, I, I see what you mean. Like, so we're we're used to the later Star Trek series where... They don't give up after one or two things. They will keep trying everything, yeah, to solve their problem. They don't give up after well, can't, that didn't work. Oh well,
1: I mean, like it takes Chekhov getting shot for them to realize, hey, we don't have to do the things that we're supposed to do.
0: Hang on, it's could like, you could you say that part again?
1: It's like it's like when Chekhov got
0: shot. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy that for a minute. <sighs> don't mm. mean to take away from your your larger point. I just uh, mm. I can't help it.
1: Hey, remember that time Chekhov got shot? Yes, I do.
0: That
1: was pretty sweet.
0: <laughs> maybe the uh maybe the video wrap up for season 3 will just be us looping that footage over. We'll and play over.
1: the uh we'll play the uh the Benny Hill song.
0: <laughs> that would be great. Um there was a nice actually little scene um after Chekhov gets shot and Chekhov uh, gets shot. When when they're all sitting around um, and it, it's a scene we've seen a lot at this point, and it's sort of an autopilot scene for the show, but it's always good where Bones is is kind of giving Spock crap for why don't you feel more upset about losing a crewman, that kind of thing. Yeah, But it, I'm a sucker for those. I always like those. And, you know, again, it's kind of autopilot. They probably have a, a stock scene written, and you just change it to fit the scenario.
1: Yeah. But it's, no, it's always this, good. Like when, uh, when Spock goes to, uh, they forget that I'm half human. He sort of has this look. Yeah. Like it's it's really it's really nice. Like he actually does care about Chekhov being shot for some reason.
0: Well, I mean he cares about a guy dying. And the thing yeah. is the, the sort of the deeper thing about Vulcans is they care about all life. Mm-hmm. And so he he's sad that, that someone died, but he also knows we got a job to do, plus I'm mostly Vulcan and uh fucking let's get back to it.
1: Shut up, I got a smoke grenade to test on Scotty.
0: <laughs> I do like the Chekov uh, before Chekov gets shot, um I'm just gonna keep hammering that home. I'm gonna work Chekhov that into, into my shot. episode somehow. Um, no, before that happens, they're, they're they're sitting around trying to figure out how they how they can defeat uh, the the bad guys without using guns. And they're like, "Well, mm. the only thing we have are rattlesnakes. Let's use those." So it's like they're gonna fight fire with snakes. <laughs> I just it, it seemed like a throwaway line. The Chekhov was like, "The only thing here is rattlesnakes." And they're like, uh, "Well, let's use that." Like, what really? That was like an Adam it's... West Batman leap of logic there. It seemed like a good
1: idea until the Earp gang started telling each other to watch out for snakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they always said it off camera in this weird voice that <laughs> didn't really seem to be there, so it's alright. You know, putting putting aside my actual distaste for Chekhov, for the character himself, mm. which, which as we've said, is a bit of a mess. They wanted a young heartthrob who looked like Davy Jones but also a Russian, and it just it it never really worked for me. But this episode really confirmed for me that Walter Koenig seriously just not a very good actor. No, he had not. He had moments where he really could have convinced me he's a good actor in a bad role, and such was not the case.
1: Yeah, no, he had some like clearly they were trying to give him some decent moments with some imaginary girl. Yeah, they
0: gave him like the uh, the saloon floozy who was in love with him. Yeah, standard western thing. But it was you know it could have been a nice little thing you know with a good actor, but not not so much. Yeah, unfortunate. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, what, oh, the, the one, the one thing that I walked away from with this episode was because, uh, Chekhov, uh, the, the character he was supposed to be assuming on the planet was named Billy.
1: Mm. They started
0: referring to him as Billy. The, the <laughs> one thing I'd like to walk away from this episode thinking is, uh, can we call Chekhov Billy from now on? Ensign Billy. Ensign Billy just seems, rolls off the tongue, seems to fit him yep. perfectly. Go get him, Billy. <laughs> Billy, what, what, what readings are you getting? So I I'd, spent
1: the entire, I spent the entire episode assuming that the Camp or the, the Saloon floozy was going to tell him not to be a hero. Never <laughs> happened, and I was sad. I, I honestly
0: was waiting because I'm again not very familiar with this particular scenario—the Tombstone and the you know, mm-hmm. Doc Holiday. I just I don't know it. Like I should. People are probably yelling at me, but hey, I I haven't seen this story as far as I know. I was waiting for the reveal that he was actually supposed to be Billy the Kid, and maybe he was. Yeah. I didn't say, but I don't know. Maybe it's a different Billy. I have, I seriously have no idea. Anything else before we push on to to mind? Oh,
1: the uh, the mind meld thing. That oh was weird. yeah,
0: that was sort of the, the most gratuitous, nonsensical use of the mind meld that I can think of. And I say that buying into the fact that the mind meld exists, like, yeah, okay, it's all nonsensical because it's not real. But suspension of disbelief, even it, they all just mind meld because they don't have enough willpower to believe something.
1: Yeah, see, I'm watching, and I thought to myself, it would be so much cooler if these guys actually had to steal themselves and convince themselves that the bullets wouldn't kill them.
0: Yeah, they're all maybe not bones, but the rest of them have been trained yeah. as military guys. Yeah, with like, actual would a, it, training to to have you know strong will and and all that sort of thing, and uh, surely they have it in themselves somewhere
1: to not believe in fake bullets. Yeah, I but don't... no, they all have to. They all have to gather around Spock so we can pat them on the face.
0: And look, I love I love when they use the mind meld effectively. I love yeah. especially when they can't communicate with some strange alien, like with the Horta. That was that was a cool use of the mind meld. Mm. This was not.
1: No, this is just more padding. Yep. So yeah. and now I'll mind meld with you. And now I'll mind meld with you. And now I'll mind meld with you again, just to make
0: sure it took. He's such a he's such a meld slut.
1: I know, right? It's supposed to be, like, this super personal thing, and he'll just meld for anyone. Yeah,
0: it's it's really, like, intimate. And, you know, it would be. It would be more intimate than actually having sex, because you're sharing your thoughts. Like, yeah, you, exactly. Everything about yourself, everything that you hide. Especially someone like Spock, who hides a lot. Yeah. Because he's trying not to let that human part out, and now everyone knows about it. Mm. Not cool.
1: Captain, I don't want to meld with Mr. Scott. He wants to kill all women. Mm. I really don't anymore. Well, maybe a little.
0: Uh, Anything else? Are you ready to...
1: Uh, I think that is it.
0: All right. So let's move on to mine, uh, Day of the Dove. Uh, I was really hoping that my episode this week would have another ridiculous, elaborate title so I could help cover the fact that I didn't actually get around to watching it. Unfortunately, all I got from this title was one day a dove. There isn't even a verb in that sentence, so I guess I'll just have to watch Star Trek. My life is hard, you guys. So the Enterprise responds to a distress call from yet another troubled Federation colony. And once again, it's been destroyed without a trace. I think there must be some mad urban planner in the Starfleet bureaucracy somewhere who keeps suggesting they build colonies on the world with methane atmospheres or right on the edges of cliffs. (laughs) It cannot be normal to lose this many colonies. Anyway, hot on the trail of the Enterprise is a Klingon ship, which Kirk assumes is responsible for the carnage. The Klingon captain, Kang, has lost most of his crew to what he assumes to be some kind of new Starfleet weapon. So already we're off on the right foot. Kang demands the Enterprise in return for the perceived slight. Kirk, being Kirk, tricks Kang into thinking the Klingons could take the Enterprise but locks them up instead. Then, everyone suddenly has knives and swords and they're fighting. No, seriously, I, I just finished watching this like half an hour ago, that's what happens. Knives and swords. Chekov charges around screaming about the brother he lost to the Klingons, a brother that we eventually find out never existed. And everyone else is acting all screwy too, like angry and hostile and really racist. See, there's this Melvar-class energy being on board who apparently gets off on hatred and racism. It provokes these things in the Starfleet guys and the Klingons, then floats there, creepily touching itself while it watches. <laughs> Eventually, Kirk figures out what's going on, and he and Kang pretend to be BFFs, which weakens the creature. Then Kirk reads a poem to it. No, seriously. Then, because he's Kirk, they ditch it in deep space and haul ass back home. Damn it, I blew my chance there. I should have said they ditch it in deep space or it'll be no trouble at all. And haul uh, us back well,
1: you, well, you can't have them all. No, it can't
0: always be no triple at all. Sometimes it's gotta be a little triple.
1: It's little, so occasionally it's going to be triple There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah.
0: This uh I don't like the the idea, the basic concept of this episode. I'm so tired of aliens forcing people to do one thing or another. But this is sort of the opposite of one of those episodes where it was uh like a good idea presented poorly. This yeah. was not a great idea, but we got a lot of great stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a lot of the Klingon stuff, a lot of stuff that would eventually be the basis of the Klingons we come to know and love in the later series.
1: Yeah. Kang was a really great Klingon. I would have liked to have seen more of him.
0: Well, we do. He's one of the guys so who comes I'm, back in DS9.
1: Well, I mean, I know he comes back in DS9, but I would have liked to have seen more of
0: him with Kirk. Well, yeah, that's true. He's, he's one of those actors, and Michael Ansara, who eventually went on to pl- do the voice of Mr. Freeze on uh, the Batman mm-hmm. animated series, among many, many other things. Just uh, one of those great character actors from from that period. Um, he's one of those guys, like, and there were a few others. Um, and now I'm drawing a blank because I have to know these names off the top of my head. But a couple of the other Klingon captains that sort of looked Kirk right in the eye and and had the same presence as him and had the same yeah. sort of authority as him, like they cast those guys really well. Usually, oh yeah, where it's like, yeah, I buy that this guy is a good nemesis for Kirk. Like these guys mm-hmm. are these guys are evenly matched. That's that's a great fight. Um, we saw female Klingons for the first time, which did not look that great. Like, no,
1: they would have looked a lot better if they weren't covered in thick, greasy Klingon makeup.
0: Yeah, they, I mean, you know, they tried. And, uh, part of, part of casting good Klingons is casting the dudes with sort of the, the deep set, like heavy brow. And then you can (laughs) accentuate that with the makeup and it doesn't really work for women, obviously, because it's a very masculine look.
1: Yeah, no. You just take like some hot '60s-looking girl and slather her in brown and like slather short- her in like-
0: blackface. Let's let's not. Yeah. uh Let's not, let's sugar not dance pose. around the issue here. Listen, this is the racist episode. We might as well get it out now.
1: They they hadn't developed one of the key uh, one of the key points of uh, Klingon women yet, which is uh, cleavage.
0: Is, lots and lots girl. of cleavage. Well, that was that was a defining characteristic of at least Larsa and Betor. I don't know if all of them, but uh, most I'm of the pretty ones sure. You you may be right. I'm not I'm not gonna dispute that. I can just
1: uh We'll have to look into this. I don't know, did
0: uh did, Very f- closely. did Alexander's mother show off her cleavage? I don't remember.
1: Oh no that's right. She had that body stocking thing. Yeah. With the red squares for some reason. We'll, we'll get to her later. Anyway, no, so
0: she... the, the cool thing was, and, and we've seen this with the Romulans as well, they treat their women as uh, probably better than the Starfleet people do. Oh, like, definitely. At, at least as equals, in in the right. Romulans' case as superiors. But here, this was um the, the main uh, Klingon trick. There were a few of them, but the main one, uh, Mara, I think her name was, was uh, Kang's wife. Yeah. And she just served on board with him, and, and it wasn't like she was subservient to him or, or anything like that. She was just as, you know... Just as capable as he was, and that was that yeah. was nice.
1: Just keeps coming back. Who's the real monster in, in Star Trek, huh?
0: <laughs> no kidding. Think well, about that for well, a while. Well, the, the Gorn look like monsters. I mean, it's hard to, oh, hard yeah. to get around them. But after them, mm-hmm. definitely. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I liked I liked a lot of the Klingon stuff. I, I do enjoy... This was, I think, the first time where they were not presented as straight-up sort of evil caricatures. Like, we get a hint of they're an honor-based culture, and they have their yeah. own motives, and... They're just at odds with the Federation, which was nice.
1: Yeah. Um, and I I like they bring up the uh, that they've been at peace with the Klingons for
0: so long. And yeah, they said two odd. or three years, which was a, a callback to the Organians. Yeah. Which was a
1: cool not thing. not technically true, but... Uh, well,
0: more or less.
1: Most of the time. Yeah. Let's not um, pick at that scab.
0: But, I mean, it's nice that they tried. Yeah. You know, A for effort. <laughs> which actually starts with an E. Um... <laughs> but no they like i said we get well, a hint. it starts with an a in klingon well there you go um you haven't heard that aphorism until you've heard it in the original klingon oh lord the um but no like they start they start hinting that there's this broader culture there they they sort of lay in the fact that um klingons think these horrible things about starfleet which is just propaganda and not actually mm. true that they're they're still you know normal mostly civilized people and uh it's nice it's a nice hint of what's to come i I think they built on that in the I, in the later series.
1: I really like the idea of uh, Klingon propaganda posters.
0: <laughs> well yes I mean uh, we love us some propaganda like, like this, there's the a old...
1: po- like they've got posters of like Johnny Starfleet like stealing a Klingon baby or something. <laughs> Remember loose lips think starships <laughs> nice
0: there's a there's a lot of padding in this episode, but it's the cool kind of padding where people are walking around the enterprise and getting into fights. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel as you know, as empty as, as Spectre of the Gun.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, say what you will about this episode. The uh, the fight scenes were really cool. You know, I'm not a fan of
0: of sword fights personally, but okay, fine. Like I, I'll give you that. It's just it's not my thing personally, but it is a standard action thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you know,
0: I had no real problem
1: with that. And I'm always good with a big fight scene in
0: engineering. Lots yeah, well, of space to jump a, on people. Yeah, it's a nice big set. It's it's good for that. Um, there's there's one moment where Chekhov just gets just totally off the fucking deep end oh and Lord. almost, I mean, g- goes at tries to rape uh the the aforementioned uh, Mara uh yeah. King's wife and just like wow yeah I really
1: wish he'd stayed shot yeah
0: because Chekhov getting shot is much better than Chekhov as an attempted rapist
1: yep this episode does not cane, contain uh, Chekhov getting shot that is a shame
0: all episodes yep. will henceforth be judged. On their lack of it. getting check Chekov getting shot, <laughs> which is just a damn shame. Mm-hmm. Although he did get tortured a bit,
1: that's true. He did get t- tortured quite a bit, and he is quite he is quite a screamer.
0: Well, they, that's the thing they came back to in the movies. I know that's why they made him be the one who got the uh, the ear bug in Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. because uh, Koenig does the, uh, the the scream of terror really well.
1: His terror screams really make up uh, uh, really make up for his complete lack of acting talent. Yeah.
0: Maybe that you know, maybe that's why they cast him in the first place. We need a guy to get mm. beat up and uh, to <laughs> to appear to be effectively beaten up. <laughs> um, I would be most happy to do it. There's there's a bit uh near the end where Kirk's giving his blog entry and he says stardate Armageddon.
1: Oh god yeah. First of all, like much better title than Day of the Dove. Oh,
0: absolutely, and I don't even but, mind that. T- you know, Day of the Dove is okay, but yeah, Stardate Date Armageddon would be so much better.
1: That's fucking badass. But but that's not, not a real time. It's not a real time, and I just picture Starfleet receiving like <laughs> like all his log entries. I assume he sends them send them to them like once a week or something. And just really, Kirk, Stardate Date Armageddon. Yeah, we, You know, uh, I have to I have to file these we, we, by um, date
0: when we started uh when we were doing our little pre-show before we we start recording um Matt and I imagined this one horrible like starfleet bureaucrat who's like a court reporter who has to transcribe all this stuff and uh, I think we got a pitch for a new series there frankly Oh
1: yeah absolutely
0: I think uh start about starfleet bureaucracy about ha- them having to go you know log the captain's log entries and clean things up and maybe work the time cops in there I, I think we got a show there Oh yeah um I, and at the end, actually, like, as much as I'm tired of energy beings, like, doing this thing, like, controlling people, and it's almost a possession thing. I'm, I'm not yeah. a fan of those. But I did, like, at the end, them having to all have a good laugh to make the thing go away. I thought that was cool.
1: I liked, uh, Kang slapping Kirk on the back. Yeah, just a
0: little too hard. That was a nice yep. little moment.
1: But, I just picture him, like, slapping him back. Yep. But, sort of degrades into a slap fight. Alien comes back. We gotta watch another 20 minutes. <laughs>
0: And people started saying Klingon correctly. That was the other note that. Yeah, I had that's here. a plus. Was, uh, we're no longer saying Klingon, <laughs> or Klingons, Klingon, Klingon. That was it.
1: They're so, they're clinging to the side of the ship. That's where we got the name from. Right, right, right. Really, Scotty, that's not very funny.
0: Oh, Scotty's hair is fixed. I'm I'm on oh, Scotty so Hair yeah. Patrol, so I'm uh, I got to point that out that he's no longer sporting the three-inch bouffant. Now he finally has that, normal hair again. That that is a plus. Yeah, and, uh, I don't know why I'm so concerned about that, but it is. A thing I Well, it's with. really irritating. It looks bizarre. It just it, What it does is, uh, seriously, it dates the show. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's the way men wore their hair back then, it, it doesn't, like, a lot of the styles and stuff on the show are timeless or at least coolly retro enough that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But occasionally but... they'll do something that was just quintessentially 60s and it's like, oh. It's kind of like in uh, the motion picture where they're wearing those uh, pastel uniforms, which are very much a relic of the late 70s.
1: Yeah, we're not even getting to disco bones. Yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, and then by the later movies, they, they came up with the, the, the red uniforms, which are so more, more of time, timeless now. And mm-hmm. if you saw them in a movie now, it wouldn't be that far out of place. No. It's just sort of a classic military uniform design. But, yeah, for a bit, occasionally they would go into these weird, and so that's why they jump out. Because they they seem like these weird throwbacks to, to the periods that the shows were made in. Yeah. And you want to try to make your future show more timeless and less like the time it was made.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Anyway, that's that's all I got for this one, unless you have anything else.
1: Uh, No, I think that's it for Day of the Dove. All right, so... Other than the fact that it needed more Chekhov
0: getting shot. I, uh, all episodes, you know, that's the only thing Spectre of the Gun had going for it, but boy, did it have it going for it. Oh, yeah. We we need to digitally insert Chekhov being shot in every episode.
1: Yep. And Just words. in the background, even, you yep. know? <laughs> have Cisco from Trouble
0: Tribble shoot him. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Run up to him Jack Ruby style. Check off! (laughs) Alright, so uh, back to the specter of the gun.
1: Alright, so in the future, future, uh, future. potentially dangerous smoke grenades will be tested on high-ranking members of the crew.
0: (laughs) Alright, and uh, for for mine, for Day of the Dove,
1: in the future, future, swords and
0: knives will make a huge comeback. Sure, we'll have laser guns and force fields and other cool stuff, but Somehow in the 23rd century, it always comes back to pointy things. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta, oh, God. You got a quote from yeah. Chekhov Gets Shot on Cowboy Planet?
1: Yeah, uh, in the episode Chekhov Gets Shot on Cowboy Planet, uh, we have Kirk and the local bartender uh, demonstrating their masterful argumentative skills. Nobody in this town will deny you your right to your revenge.
0: Yes, I want revenge. Crush the life out of the Earps. I can't just kill
1: them. You listen to me. Get down to the O.K. Corral. Keep out of sight. When the Earps come looking, you bushwhack them. I, get through your I can't just kill them. It's the only I way. way. I, just the, I only can't just kill them. I can't murder them. I can't kill them. Kill them any
0: way you can. The sh- shades of Spock's brain, there. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, apparently, I just really enjoy it when Shatner decides to just freak the fuck out.
0: Well, that does tend to happen
1: a lot. Just start screaming and shaking people around.
0: There was uh, in in mind. There's a there's a great um, quote. Uh, there's actually a couple of these, and I had to. I just had to pick one. Uh, there's one where what was it a burning house? Fuck, I don't yeah. remember now.
1: Only a fool fights in a burning house. Right. That's it. I love that line. I like
0: it too. Nice little Klingon sayings. But uh, the one one that I chose is just slightly more badass. And uh, here it is.
1: Four thousand throats may be cut in one night by a running man.
0: So yeah, I think later that will be actually attributed to Kalos. Yeah, but it doesn't matter where it came from. It's just cool the Klingons have like building their culture, saying that they're they're a warrior race, and they have these cool little sayings about killing people. That's that's kind of yeah. cool. So that is all. Mm. That is all for this week. Um, that's all there is. Chekhov got shot. Chekhov got shot. If we just leave it there, we're pretty happy
1: about that. So wherever you go in life, remember, Chekhov got shot. Damn right.
0: All right. Good night, folks. That's all for this week. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2011. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.